Amanda. Now that Mike is completely out of the picture, I was thinking maybe you'd like to come in my van and turn that frown upside down. Amanda, hey, I, I just saw what happened and I... Oh, God, you're a hottie. Hey, can I see you naked? Hey, Amanda, you remember that time you danced with me in the sop-up? I never told you, but I had the hugest boner and I oh thought maybe, God. you know, that we could work things out. It is. There we go. Yeah, we did it. Up and running. Up and You're running. Live. Well, live with Regis and Kelly. Is that who it is? No, Regis and it's not even Regis anymore. Actually, it's Ryan. Uh, it's just Regis and himself. <laughs> Nobody can put up with him anymore. No, it's uh, <laughs> Ryan Seacrest. I think now is uh, the host on that show. Replaced anymore. Regis. I don't know. I. I don't know the last time I even saw that. I'm, I just realized I'm talking to you, but I'm like not even on camera. Let's <laughs> let's just do this. The Regis and Ryan show. There we go. Hopefully that stays there. Doesn't fall down. That's a little better. Uh, yeah, nice. yeah. So we're back. Welcome to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. Um, uh, we are going to get into a band that we've teased for a number of episodes. Uh, we've brought them up numerous times. And we're finally going to get into that. But before that, let's get caught up on life. How's uh, how's life, Aaron? Whew. Well, it's uh, not warm enough yet. Not nearly. But uh, it's coming. This yep. weekend, I I went uh, I went biking, um, and it was just horrendously windy and cold. <laughs> but the only way I could get some peace and quiet, and I just I got to get out of the house every day. So yeah. So are you? It was worth it. Are you still? Are you still working? Out of an office, or are you at home, or I can't remember what you said yeah, last time. I'm, I'm I'm still at the office. Yeah. Okay, so you do get to actually leave. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, today was actually my last day of work, so that's why I was saying it's <laughs> it's been a day. So I was showing you the uh, how, how the jar of urine this time around is much more full. The double portion of the urine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, what uh, a treat. Yeah, it was <laughs> a weird feeling because technically I'm on parental leave, um, which was always the plan. But the plan was to go on parental leave more not until June or so. Uh, so it came kind of early, just because of. Uh, work financial things and so I was like yeah well I'll go I can go on parental leave early but it's this weird thing because here I am on parental leave which it was supposed to start and then you know like a week to 10 days later gonna be leaving on this huge road trip (coughs) are you dying over there excuse me (laughs) and uh, the road trip doesn't happen anymore well I shouldn't say it doesn't happen but it's it's not happening for a number of, of months still so and there's just like this whole thing of like Am I guaranteed that there's uh, actually a job to come back to? I don't know, right? Yeah. Like you, it's it's just kind of these um, strange, strange times. But uh, that calls for. So they didn't say anything about that. It's just, well, I mean, well, know. I mean, they say that yeah, like um, there'll for sure there'll be a job for me to come back to. But it's just one of those things where it's like, I mean, it depends how long this stuff really goes on for and what kind of a hit it, right. it all takes. But you know, they they gave me the 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 talk where they were like, so we've got to let some people go. And just so you know, you're not one of them, but 
if you take your parental leave early, it'll actually, for the time being, save a job for someone else as well, because then mm. they don't have to let someone go in, in our department. So I was like, well, I mean, I'm going to be taking it anyway. And then there's like rollbacks coming, like salary rollbacks in the, they said like the real quick here, there's going to be these rollbacks. And so if I stayed on until I was originally going to take my parental leave, I would take that salary rollback, which would then also affect how much I'm eligible for on my parental leave. Right. So I was like, right. well, yeah, yeah, you know, in the, in the end, I was like, I'll just take this. It's guaranteed, you know, for now. And it's guaranteed for like 12 months or whatever, I think. So I've got, I've got some time. And, uh, so we'll see where things are in a few months. Right now, the plan is to go back in like middle of September or what have you sometime around then or later, but we'll see. So as of right now, I uh, might be taking a lot of bike rides <laughs> just to get out of the house, as you say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good way to, to clear your mind, get the wind flowing through your hair. <laughs> Freezing your hands as you're like biking. <laughs> yeah, it's, do you, do you guys have much snow there? Uh, we don't have any snow. It's just been really cold. Yeah, we still have a, a fair bit of snow. Like, it's definitely yeah, melting, but there are some places where we keep going to this, like, park um, that's kind of actually new to us within the last couple of weeks. Uh, we, we first went to it, and we've gone, like, we were there yesterday, there again today, and there's, like, this, like, little ice slide sort of thing that... So, yeah, so, awesome. so we just go sliding down that, especially because all the sledding hills are closed and we still have snow. So it's like, oh, it'd be a great opportunity otherwise, but you're not allowed to go do those things. So, But you're allowed to go for walks and parks as long as you're socially distanced. So we go sliding on our butts down this, this trail, nice. which is funny because the way the trail goes, um, which if you want to see any videos of this, you can go follow me on Instagram. I, I posted one, but it kind of like curves and if you, if you don't curve with the trail, you actually go straight off a cliff that drops about 20 feet below into, into <laughs> like water. For children? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's pretty difficult to not go with the curve the way it's kind of been grooved. Like none of my kids have been even close. Um, but usually we stand kind of at the corner, right? But uh, so anyways, yeah, it's been fun. But um, what, have, what have you been listening to as far as, you know, newer music or, or not specifically what we're going to talk about anyway? Yeah, I don't... Uh I wouldn't have a lot of new music. I mean, I'm still listening to the new August Burns Red, but I've got a an ongoing list on my Spotify. I think I mentioned last week. Oh, yeah, yeah. Albums that I kind of always go through my list and be like, okay, I haven't listened to this in a few months and or maybe even a few years or whatever it is. And um, so yeah, I guess I guess a newer or a few newer ones is I listen to the new acoustic album by Mike Herrera, right, as yeah. well as uh, the MXPX Deluxe. Um, version of their latest self-titled album. Yeah. Um, so I listened through both of those, and um, I mean, the uh, the acoustic one from Mike, like a number of the songs I'd kind of heard already on on different things. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but there was a couple cool tracks on there. Pretty kind of straightforward. I'm I've never a huge, or I mean, an acoustic album never really gets me like super excited. Yeah. Um, but it's well, I sh- however, fa- the one that Face to Face did was really cool. Yeah, um, but that was that was full band, so this one's just Mike. And, yeah. um, so, anyways, yeah, that one's good, and um, yeah, I liked the new or the unreleased songs on the MXPX album. For some older albums, I listened to um, an album by The Main called Black and White, yeah. which I really enjoy. Yeah, we were talking about The Main last week on our on our episode. They came up 
Um, but yeah, that, those first two, for me, those first two records from the main, which Black and White being their second, uh, were both so good. And, and you actually made me go back and listen to them as well when you messaged me about that. Yeah, and it's a band that, I mean, I never really listened to them before, or I listened to things after because I liked Black and White, but nothing really stood out to me. Yeah. Um, so that's, which is interesting because there's not a whole lot of bands that I can think of off the top of my head where I only like one of their albums, Yeah, uh, but maybe I would like more of them if I listened to them in depth, but a few others, I listened to a band called Texas in July, um, kind of another heavier band, uh, album called Bloodwork. I listened to Thrice's, uh, oh, The yeah. Illusion of Safety, which is always a good one to go to. Um, I listened to uh, an album by Midtown after listening to an episode of the Talking Records podcast where they talked about... Um, their album uh, that I can't remember, they're something about living your best, or not living your best life, living well, or right. something something to that regards. And, uh, <clears throat> and then today I was really craving some heavy stuff, so I was listening to some old Evergreen Terrace and The Ghost Inside, and then Perseverance by Hatebreed. Nice. Yeah, I, was, I had Hatebreed on, uh, I think it was last week sometime, I was messaging you, when I was on, right. my, when I was on my Knocked Loose uh, run, which actually knocked loose. I was listening to earlier today. It felt like good music to just be like, ah, you know, cause you know, going out of something like going back to my work situation, I was thinking about this. I was like, it was, this was the plan, right. To go on parental leave sort of thing to take some time off. But the fact that it was like not on my own terms, I was just like feeling like, and not knowing, you know, if, if there's anything to even right. go back to. So I was like, I just need something. I, I, I got to get some aggression out. So um, I was back to knocked loose today. But a couple of things that I've been listening to, just to kind of further uh, make note of a couple of the ones that you mentioned. But yeah, the MXPX self-titled, the deluxe edition. And there is a song on there, and I don't understand how it's not, uh, I want to say it's Forget It All, uh, how that is not on the, how that didn't make the original cut of the album because it's better than some of the songs I think on that album and I, I think it was Mike had maybe mentioned when they kind of announced that this was coming that that song he was like it's a banger and I'm like I always get a little hesitant when a band kind of like pumps their own tires um, right. because I mean of course they're they're excited about their music right like that that's understandable but I always kind of take it with a grain of salt but um, this particular one I was like yeah no this is a really good song uh, some of the other ones it's kind of a little more obvious why it didn't necessarily make that original release but right. it's fine yeah. um, and then the Mike Herrera acoustic thing I, it's funny because I do like acoustic albums sometimes um, I, I, as, as long as they put like that work into transforming those songs into acoustic songs instead of just like picking the guitar up and basically playing what they'd play on electric straight on acoustic right. uh, sometimes yeah. that works and with my career the thing i find is that sometimes he does kind of rework songs and they come out really well like when i look back to oh this would have been the early 2000s but do you remember like the acep i think yeah, yeah. Yeah, i think it came with yeah. b movie maybe like one of their documentaries yeah. they released i thought that was really good like the the reworkings that they had done on that album i thought were really good and then I think they had an acoustic EP, not for an album, like, even more reason. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm just thinking that one got released more than once. But um, the thing is, I know they've released some acoustic versions of songs over the years. And some of them, I just feel like they don't rework them for acoustic. And on 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 his live album here, the thing I don't like is, A, like, the acoustic guitar just doesn't sound good. It's not, like, his voice sound that If there's anything that stands out from that you know, my Carrera live acoustic album is his voice. I was like, Oh man, like definitely you can, yeah, you can hear the little nuances and the little things he's doing in those songs. 
and uh, which I think is great. And some of them work really well, and then some of them I'm just kind of like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll move on. But uh, it's not bad. Other than that, what I've been listening to, is, and this one came out a couple weeks ago, actually, but uh, the new album from Brian Fallon of Gaslight Anthem, mm-hmm. speaking yeah. of acoustic, it's definitely more acoustic and more so in the vein of, uh, like, Bruce Springsteen sort of stuff. But, I mean... That was the one thing I always enjoyed about Gaslight Anthem was like that Bruce Springsteen sort of influence that's there. And then, you know, a band that you brought up, I think it was on the last episode, maybe two episodes ago, uh, but like Northcote, like you can, they, they have those similar influences and in sounds and what they're yeah. doing. Um, Northcote may be a little more rocking on some of their stuff than Brian Fallon's solo stuff, but... Uh, but yeah, no, it was really good. And in, in a couple points on that album, where I'm like, dude can sing like, this is awesome. Um, so yeah, those are a couple of the, the newer or other things we've, we've been listening to, but we are here to talk about, um, a band that's neither one. We, we haven't mentioned them. I should say though, before we get into it, go follow us on our social medias at growing punk pod, uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you'll find us and you can find our, our personal Twitters and Instagrams linked there as well. And, uh, yeah, tell your friends about the show. If you like what we do, let's get into it. We're going to talk about, uh, blink 182 today. We're going to talk about their album, California, because that's the tie in to our last, our previous few episodes with John Feldman. But first we're going to talk about blink 182's Enema of the State. So this is a record that I actually never, I shouldn't say never, I do own it now, but when it was at its peak and I was listening to it the most, I didn't actually own it. I had a burned copy uh, off someone and that was what I played for years, probably actually until streaming services became a thing. But why don't you tell me a little bit about you know your kind of, um, I guess, relationship with this album? Because that's the only way I think you can just, can just describe this album is you have a relationship with it. you have relations with this record <laughs> and it's weird with this one because i mean it's been out for 20 years yeah um yeah i don't know if i ever owned this one either maybe i did and i i mean i've gone through so many cds over the years um i don't think i have a current copy of it yeah um yeah for an album that's been out for so long so many memories with it I feel like at the same time, I don't have any like super specific memories about it. Uh, maybe just because there's so many and it's come it's come back so many times that you know maybe my memories of it are from five years ago versus 15 or 20 or whatever. Right. Um, 
Yeah, I'm assuming I got into it though with my friend Derek and Dauphin. He was a Derek a, and a Dauphin. <laughs> that's a big <laughs> Blink fan. I hope that's and, his. Uh, <laughs> I hope that. Sorry to, to interrupt you, but I hope that's his. Uh, like his social media handles is Derek and Dauphin. If it's not, and he <laughs> listens, it better be. <laughs> well, he doesn't live in Dauphin anymore. He's doesn't not matter. On social media, <laughs> and I doubt he'll listen to this. Oh, so what? A, what? Anyway, well then we can call him a loser, and no one will ever. Yeah. No, nah, Derek and Dauphin <laughs> no, sounds awesome. Sweet, dude. <laughs> Yeah, he, he's another friend of mine, along with my friend Jess, that I mentioned that um, he was a big influence on music. He got a lot of, there's a lot of bands I can remember getting into in his room, Mill and Cullen, Penny Bridge Pioneers, mm. and Jimmy Eat World, Bleed American are two that, that really stand out. But anyways, um, yeah, but I remember this album that, that he had it. We would jam, you know, cover songs from it. We would listen to it while we were skateboarding. You know, the videos were all over much music, so it was definitely around a lot. Um, this might have been the first band that um, that I really liked that got really popular, right. which is maybe kind of a weird thing. But, but back then, we were used to finding bands that, at least in our town, most people didn't know of. Yeah. And so it was kind of weird to, to know and like a band that all of a sudden was like, oh, now it's all over and everybody yeah, yeah. knows this band. And, you know, and it's kind of that annoying, like, oh, they just... They only know the band for what's my age again and all the small things and they just think it's you know like a poppy kind of boy band or whatever they don't know any of the you know the backstory or the you know the dude ranch and albums that preceded it and yeah. so yeah lots of kind of random thoughts of that nothing that i can like remember a spe- really specific time to but just when i think of this album it kind of takes me kind of all over the map like okay well what about this part and oh, yeah what did i think about this and so I, I like it for, for that every time it comes back. Um, and this album probably gets, I mean, at least a yearly rotation for me. Sure. Um, it kind of brings back different thoughts and memories every time I listen. Yeah, it's funny because I can specifically remember setting my VCR to record uh, when Blink was going to be live at Much Music. I don't remember if it was a full, like, intimate and interactive performance thing or if it was, like, on... Um, like much on demand sort of thing and they were there uh, right. but like so I it's it's funny because thinking about it I probably never owned this record when I was in high school and whatever purely based off of the cover and just being like yo if my mom came in my room and saw you know like this woman who's clearly right. like a porn star or whatever like doing the whole thing I was like I don't know what she'd say about this so I just had a burned copy but it is funny because I did own Dude Ranch which obviously if she looked at that it's just a big set of bull testicles on the front right like <laughs> it's 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 no you know it's no better really but that's the only reason I can think of not owning this album because I had Dude Ranch I had Cheshire Cat I had Take Off Your Pants and Jacket when it came out um, but this one I never owned and I mean, it is one that screams high school to me. Like when I put it on, I'm immediately like thinking of my friends that I had, like you said, Derek and Dauphin sort of thing, right? Like I've got specific friends I can picture driving around in their car, just, you know, wasting time. And, uh, you know, we did the same thing with Dude Ranch and whatever, like that album. I, 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 I tweeted this out a few weeks ago saying like, Enema of the State is the album that put Blink really on the map, like blew them up. Yeah. Take off your Definitely. take off your pants and jacket. To me, is like their the peak of their like lighthearted, silly pop punk sort of thing. But Dude Ranch is the record that gives me all the feels for whatever reason, right? Like I specifically have like when that comes on, I'm like it. It takes me to a very different place. This makes this record makes me think of different friends, and I can like you know picture some things, but. Yeah, it, it definitely was. This one was definitely kind of like 
the soundtrack to grade 10 for me specifically, right? And really, you know, launching into all of everything. Like MXPX was the first band that I was into, but like Blink-182, like you said, was the first band that I was into that blew up that everybody else knew. And I didn't care if they were just there for What's My Age Again or all the small things or what have you. I was just kind of like, I can't believe like, you know, it was crazy that like friends of, or not even friends of mine, but people knew who they were. Right, because yeah. in a similar thing where you say like you're used to like kind of listening to music where you know like maybe your group of friends know who they are because you're all hanging out and talking about music, right? But then to just see you know Joe Schmo walking down the hall um, and you know he's got like some little speaker and he's playing "What's My Age Again" and whatnot, right? Like it was it was just so such a weird thing for sure because I missed that with bands like Nirvana and Green Day and whatever. I was the person walking down the hall with those bands who someone else was probably like, I can't believe that guy knows who this is, right? Yeah. Because, you know, that was kind of a little bit before my time. I was big into Green Day, but I wasn't into underground music at that point by any means, right? So to see your underground bands all of a sudden all over TV and movies and all that kind of stuff was like, what? It's so weird. But, um... Yeah, let's let's get into the songs we're going to talk about. Uh, but before we do, I did want to say like that opener uh, is I mean, it's I, I don't know if there's a better pop punk opener on a record, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's a hard one to beat. I mean, I one of my notes for this album is it just has and maybe I mean, not just this album with Blink with a lot of their stuff, but um, yeah, so many songs on this album just have such classic opening lines whether it's the guitar part or the yep. bass and drums yeah um it's just as soon as the songs start you know what it is and that's pretty hard to do in pop punk i mean there's definitely bands you know that that succeed at that but this album in particular you know as i was listening to it this week it's like as soon as the song starts it's like you just know what song it is and it doesn't mean it's anything complex you know but yeah yeah, but like, really... yeah, like Dumpweed, those opening, because he plays a few different guitar riffs, right? Like he has that first one, or whatever, right? But then he like, yeah. he just transitions into other riffs and it's like from there, you know, like, okay, here we go. There are some dips on this album um, with, with some specific songs, but they're only really dips because I've heard them so many times, right? Like obviously right. all the small things for sure at the top of that. And then Adam's song... And I don't actually mind What's My Age Again. Like, I still like it. But, like, kind of yeah. out of the order of those songs where I'm like, ah, I don't necessarily skip, but I'm like, I don't feel the need to listen to this. But let's get into uh, the first one we're going to talk about, which is Going Away to College. Please take me by the hand. It's so cold out tonight. So I picked these songs for, for Anima of the State. You picked the songs for California. Um, so I will start uh, talking about going away to college. And it always stuck out to me, like from the very first time I heard it, because of that clean guitar intro. Or like, yeah, I guess so cool. I guess it's not, I think he's got a chorus effect on the guitar or whatever, right? But, but even again, just like it's similar to Dumpweed, where you have like this opening riff that immediately 
as the song kicks in changes to something else like how many times have you heard a band where they play like that opening riff and i mean i'm sure blink does this too and has i'm just not thinking of a specific thing but where they play that opening riff and then as soon as the band comes in they just repeat the opening riff right on this record there's there's a number of times where they play that opening riff and then as soon as the band you know travis and mark come in it's all of a sudden he's changed the riff and we've gone you know and it's so it's great. He he never on this record, anyways. It doesn't feel like he ever really overdoes anything, and um, yeah. So this song is also one of my favorite, I think, Mark songs on this record specifically, but even maybe in general. Just where yeah. you know, there's no back and forth. It's basically just him. I'm sure Tom's doing some harmonies in there somewhere, but um, and I picked this song specifically because I did want to make sure I got a. Uh, a Mark song on here because I do kind of tend to lean more towards the Tom songs Um, but this one I was like yeah this one's always stood out I think it's pretty strong lyrically actually considering it's basically just like a high school love song like you know some of the some of the lines he has in there um, I just like I'm just like those are actually pretty well written you know like it's a simple song and it's not trying to do anything too grandiose or complicated by any means and so the lyrics, I'm just like, no, they're just, they're just pretty well written. I don't recall any like really like cheesy lines or goofy lines. Like it's just like, yeah, no, you've painted basically like a high school relationship pretty cleanly right there. Um, and I don't know about you, but as is the case with any song that, for the most part, anyways, appeared on the Mark, Tom, and Travis show, like the live record that came after this, I right. I always sing the lyrical changes that they made. So specifically on this song at the very end, I don't know if you remember from the Mark, Tom and Travis show, but at the very end where Mark sings, but you're so beautiful on the, on the studio version says, but you're so beautiful. I think it might even just kind of end that way. I I don't know if he says to me to end the song, but on Mark, Tom and Travis show, he's like, you're so beautiful to Travis. (laughs) It's like every time I just sing, but I sing it every time he says it in the song. So I think on, um, on the live version, he just says it at the very end, but every time like, you're so beautiful to Travis. (laughs) It's like, so, so stupid, but. I never got into the live album. Oh, you missed if, out. Uh, you know, it's... I mean, I, I remember it being around, but yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, like, I, I definitely heard it and yeah. listened to it, but never one I had or really, like, went back to. So. It is one of my favorite live yeah. albums, I think. And it's, I believe, I just noticed it was on uh, Apple Music anyways. It was added recently. So it's, oh. uh, <laughs> it's definitely worth a listen because you get, like, you get those... Animal of the State songs, but you also get Dude Ranch songs on there, and I think there's one or two Cheshire Cat songs. Like I'm pretty sure Eminem's and Carousels on there, right? But you kind of think I always just got annoyed if their bands were live, right? And, and that's fair. There, like, there's a lot of it going on on that record, especially. Yeah. I do kind of wish that, and maybe it's out there, and I'm just unaware of it. But I wish there was like uh, live video from that show because yeah, that would have been cool. Yeah, like I've I've heard it so many times, and. Uh, Cause like it was one in my high school band where my drummer he had it and we'd listen to it all the time. It'd be like cycling between that and Rage Against the Machine, <laughs> two very very different bands. <laughs> yeah. Well, Interesting fact is this song was inspired by the movie Can't Hardly Wait. Oh, was it? That's awesome. Yeah. That's I mean, and again, like that's one of my favorite movies of all time, and I can like when yeah, I mean that's fair because when I picture this song, I'm like yeah. I get like that's that's the kind of thing I'm picturing when I say yeah you you've like like cleanly hit like the high school relationship sort of thing out of the park right and I was 
I was totally that kid in Can't Hardly Wait. I can't remember the character's name right now. But I legit, like, have you seen that movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's been a while. I can only kind of remember like, so, some clips of it. But. Yeah, if I recall in that movie, he um, he walks around with this letter that he wrote that he's going to give to, like, Jennifer Love Hewitt's character or whatever, right? Right. And the plan is to give it to her at this party, and he just keeps missing his opportunities and whatnot. But I legit had um, a song that I would written for this girl in high school that she was never going to hear it, right? But I was totally wanting to, like, I, I had it, I carried it in my pocket to give it to her. And eventually I actually did give it to her. Um, and then she dated the drummer in my band, and that all went. Nice. <laughs> I'll tell you, we'll, we'll hear more. Way to hook up the drummer. Yeah, right? Well, <laughs> drummer's got to get some. Um, we'll hear more, actually, about her when we do another Blink-182 episode, because I've got another story that kind of, uh, ties in, but it's awesome. Yeah, but um, yeah. So outside of it being inspired by "Can't Hardly Wait," what are some other thoughts that you've got on going away to college? Yeah, it's just uh, like you said. I love that that opening line, and um, yeah, I just want to re- reiterate that the changing of the, of the guitar riff there, because even even for myself as a songwriter, there's lots of songs in the genre, right? You have the the opening riff, and then when it comes in. You know, it just kind of amplifies that riff. Yeah. But what's really cool about this is that it just completely changes that. Yeah. And then I don't, I can't remember if it even really goes back to that that intro part. It, I think which, it does later in the song, whether it's for the bridge or whatever. It cuts back out to. Okay. Like it, it, oh yeah, right. Yeah. And then yeah, because then Travis's drums come in and he's doing very Travis Barker things. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's cool when it kind of pulls it back. Yeah. You know, because the song starts like, oh, that was a cool part. Maybe it's gone. And then yeah. it kind of brings it back later in the song. So, yeah, a very, very classic song from that album. One of my favorites off the album for sure. Yeah. Uh, the next track we're going to talk about is one called Mutt. this song specifically because on this record i want to say it's the song that most resembles dude ranch i think in its sound and its lyrical content and so that's always kind of like made me it's funny because this is a record that 100 percent is nostalgic for me right but this song itself has always made me even more nostalgic just because i hear it and it makes me think of dude ranch and then i go oh i want to listen to dude ranch um even though this album to be honest, for for a pop punk album for me is is pretty darn near perfection, right? Um, I'm kind of a fan of the fact that not specifically about Mutt here, but on this record, comparing it to Dude Ranch is that you know it doesn't have like those little like skit sort of things, the little jokey things in between, um, right? Whereas like this record really just kind of goes. And if I I don't know if every song does this, but there's a number of times on the album 
where one song just goes straight into the next, right? Whether it's like a swell at the beginning of a song or at the end of a song story that just like cuts straight into the opening riff of the next song. Or if it's like on, uh, oh, Adam's song into all the small things, there's like this organ piece or whatever that carries over uh, from the end of Adam's song into all the small things. And so there's like bits and pieces like that, whereas on Dude Ranch, it does kind of like when they bring in the little skits and whatever, I kind of, you know, get lost a little bit. But Back to Mutt uh, reminds me actually specifically of the song Voyeur off of Dude Ranch. And I want to say, because Voyeur, I think, is the one where there's like clean guitar going on in it. And just like both the characters that I, like Tom is portraying as himself, I think, kind of in Voyeur, whereas in Mutt, he's like singing about someone else, but it almost feels like they're like the same character, just some of the traits he kind of pulls out. Uh, and then like that clean guitar parts and whatever that kind of come in that remind me of each other. And I've always actually misheard um, a lyric in the second verse. I always thought it says... I always thought Tom saying they go out every night. His parents are super tight. Oh yeah, as in like his parents are tight, man. They don't care what he does. Like it's so cool. They just <laughs> let him go out every night, right? Or whatever. Because then I think the line before that he talks about um, he wants to bone this. I know and whatever. Like just these lines where he's like talking about this this guy who just wants to have sex and hook up with girls. And his parents are all like, "Yeah, go for it. That's super tight." Of course, it's his pants are super tight, and <laughs> not oh, his yeah, parents yeah. are super tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. <laughs> The pants super tight comment now is kind of funny too because I'm like, would would Tom write a line like that now? Like taking angels and airwaves out of everything. Let's say Blink-182 and Tom DeLonge stayed in this very specific version of Tom DeLonge. Knowing the way people dress now, would Tom write a line where Tom also, I'm pretty sure, wears skinny jeans. Would he write a line where he's like, kind of like making fun of someone for wearing tight pants. It's just funny where we've come from 1999, but um, yeah, <laughs> here we are. Well, and this song, yeah, you're right. He is singing about, um, actually he had a roommate um, who was, I think it was a pro surfer and he just wanted to have lots of sex. Yeah. And so that he, this is what the song was about. <laughs> I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did research on some of these. I did look up some stuff on California but I didn't look anything up on this because I'm just like, oh man, I've been listening to this this album for, like you said, like 20 years now, right? So I'm like, ah, I don't know. I just want to write my thoughts on these songs in particular. But I mean, it's funny. It's very, I mean, you know, especially on this record, there's no, there's no hiding what they're writing about. They're not, you know, they're not yeah. trying to be, yeah. they're not trying to be tricky at all. But, um, but yeah, and there was there was part of that with this album that maybe deterred me when it came out. Like there wasn't a whole lot lyrically um, that really resonated with me. I mean, Adam's song, I mean, it's got, you know, talking about um, suicide and stuff. That's, you know, fairly easy for most people to, you know, either know someone who's dealt with that or whatever. But a lot of the themes on this album, I mean, it's it's definitely more of a musical album for me. Right. Um, I mean, I like the harmonies and obviously like the singing parts, but there's not a whole lot lyrically that like really hits close to home for me. Yeah, like there's nothing, I wouldn't say there's anything on this record that I'm like, oh, I mean, outside of the points I made maybe on going away to college, but I wouldn't say there's any part of this record where lyrically I'm like, oh man, they're such good songwriters, like such good wordsmith sort of thing. Um, at the same point right. though, this, <laughs> yeah, this record is very much of the time for me where I was like, yeah, like girls and then just dicking around with your friends. Like, yeah, that's that's all I cared about, right? Like, so I'm like, this is... This is perfect. Yeah, whether yeah, for sure. Whether the girl I'm, you know, crushing on or whatever knows I exist or not, uh, or you know, maybe I, you know, 
relationship with a girlfriend where that's going like sort of thing and then just having fun with your friends like it's it's all I really was about at that time uh, I'm sure there were times where you know maybe I tried to be a little more serious depending on which band I was listening to at any given time uh, but for the most part I was all about friends and girls and that's I think a lot of what high school is for people which is why the the only note I had at the top of this for this album in general was this album is high school for me <laughs> because yeah. I mean it came out as I was oh, going yeah. into high school and you know it stuck with me all the way through but um, the final song we're going to talk about in depth on Enema of the State is actually the final song on the record it's called Anthem <laughs> I picked this song because of how different it feels. I've always yeah. thought like the way this song starts feels so different from the rest of the album, just with that kind of like start stop guitar sort of that Tom's doing. And there's no riff there yeah. really. Like, I mean, I guess you could call that a riff, but at the same point, he's just playing power chords, right? Like he's not picking out any melodies or anything like that. Right. So it always stood out because that, and then it, it does eventually take off. Right. And you're like, Oh yeah, here. This is the fast, you know, pop punk band that we know Blink-182 to be. Um, it's also a song that reminds me of my friends in high school, you know. No one, I didn't have any friends that was accused of humping a dog, but that was <laughs> Blink-182 at the time. <laughs> but, you know, just the yeah. idea of a house party centered around a home show. And there's like one, there's kind of two specific memories I have sort of tied to this. Not specifically in the song, but just like the imagery that it brings up. And one of those is like literally a home show that I put on in my basement, but it was just all just like my friends basically. Right? So it was like 20 people who were coming to see my band for the first time sort of deal, right? And it was more than anything, yeah. it was just us jamming in the basement, but we were playing all of our songs that we'd written. But another one specifically that it reminds me of was um, some people are going to hear this and go, you went to, like you, you guys had parties in like like the, a field? Like, so there's basically like a, a bush party, right? Where we were in... Like it was a farmer's field and uh, where we live, a lot of farmer's fields will often have areas where there's kind of like, you know, a small gathering of trees. We, li I live in the prairies. You live in the prairies. There's not a ton of trees, you know, everywhere, but there's always like clusters, yeah. right? So we were kind of just outside this cluster of trees and we were under tarps and uh, we were set up and playing. And it was just a situation where there's like probably... 100 150 people there but where we were playing everyone instead of just like standing as if it was a stage and watching us they were like encircled around us oh, so like awesome. yeah like each the big bonfire in the middle where you're playing well the bonfire there was a bonfire it was it was off a bit but it was like they they kind of isolated each of us right like we were uh, 
trying to think if we were a four-piece at this time or still a three-piece. But anyway, it was like I couldn't remember because I couldn't see the rest of my band. We were basically just had to play off of just like what we remembered, right? So it was like people gathered around the drummer, people gathered around me, people gathered around our bass player. It's this weird situation where I never experienced anything like that again. Um, Sounds like a cult gathering. Kind of, right? <laughs> <laughs> One of us was about to be sacrificed. They were just trying to figure out who. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this song has always kind of stood out to me. And the fact that the opening track of take off your pants and jacket is called anthem part two um right which i mean it's always felt like maybe a little more of still obviously they they talk about teenagers in it but maybe a little bit more of a serious song um yeah whereas this one is just about like them being teenagers having parties and stuff like that right humping dogs um drawing on people's faces with lipstick stealing booze from the mall like <laughs> you know it's like all this stuff but um yeah yeah, no, so I it, every time it comes on, I'm always like, oh, this song again. I, I like it, but then the album's over, and you got to start it again. Yeah, no, I, I love I love this as a closing track. I love that guitar, um, the way he plays at the beginning. Yeah. It just gets me excited for the song. You know, Tom, you know, this whiny voice comes in, and, <laughs> and it just makes the song, like, it's not a bad, but just yeah. as soon as his voice hits, it's always kind of like, oh, yeah. Well, especially after going back to it, because now I'm used to you know, him not singing the band anymore. But right, yeah. yeah. And I love how towards the end of the song, it really picks up, start, or, yeah, or it ends fast. So kind of back to the, you know, the beginning of the album. Yeah. Starts with a fast song, and I love how the how the end of the album kind of goes to that too. And yeah. just think it's a great, great last song. I feel like there's not a ton on this record of like just straight up mid-tempo songs. Like, I mean, obviously all the small things in Adam's song, but I don't even know if like, was what's my age again a f- like fully kind of mid-tempo or is it is it in a similar fashion as to a lot of these like pick up at some point i can't uh no that one just stays does it stay i can't yeah i can't quite yeah. remember but having said that um i don't know if you made a list but i made a list of a couple more notable songs on the record to just kind of quickly go through yeah go for it um so actually the first one that jumped out was uh don't leave me which i wanted to bring it up because oh, yeah, yeah in a, in our in our last episode about messed i referenced i said uh there was a lyric in, I forget which song it was, which one of the ones we picked, but in the lyric, um, Tony sang, oh, what did he say? He said, uh, um, I said, what about our future? You said, stick it up your ass, right? Oh, no, what about our past? Oh, yeah. You said, stick it up your ass. Like, there was that line, and I was like, man, it reminds me of a blink line. And then when I was listening to this album this week, I was like, oh, yeah. It's because in this song, Mark sings... Uh, don't let your future be destroyed by my past. She said, don't let my door hit you in the ass. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like the talking about their past and rhyming it with ass. I was like, it's always stuck as <laughs> as like a, yeah. a blink line. Uh, another one that stands out, obviously, is Aliens Exist. I'm sure there are some people who are disappointed oh, yeah. we didn't talk about this song further, but it's for obvious reasons. I mean, it's always been a song I loved. Um, but knowing the path that Tom would eventually go and what he's doing with his life now, it's kind of an interesting sort of thing, knowing like... Because when I first heard it, I was like, Aliens Exist. I just thought it was a jokey song, right? Which it is to an extent. But then you also hear them talking about how Tom was always into, like, extraterrestrial life and, you know, UFOs and stuff like that. And when he started actually focusing on that, I was like, being like, oh, okay, interesting. And then another song that I've always loved, um, for a similar reason to Anthem, really, is party song uh i've always just loved how like yeah, that's a great one how too. overly fast that song is like it's just like right away it's in and you know there's no like it's just like palm muted guitars do you want to come to a party my friends pick me up in a truck at 11 30 right it's just like right out of the gate 
and uh, it's just always been kind of a, a neat little song that I've that I've enjoyed. Um, songs about parties are always fun, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I love that song too. And I love yeah how it just starts starts out the drums, and, and I think it just because I remember thinking that too, like man, the song's so fast, but then the guitar comes in, it's like oh, okay, it just sounds really fast because. There's not really any other context except yeah. the drums going. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's an interesting way to start a song. I, I can't think of a whole lot of, you know, s- songs in this style that start with just the fast drums and singing. Well, and and it's funny because like I I wonder how many of these things like are just being inspired by those 90s movies because that's what it reminds me of right like because there's the line in there and then the background some terror or backyard whatever some terrible ska band some some guy in the background doing a keg stand I'm like you're talking about terrible ska bands like there's nothing more (laughs) 90s than that right so yeah um but yeah did you have any songs that you that you'd picked out that stuck out as well or shall we move along yeah not specifically yeah I mean all the ones you mentioned I mean this whole album Uh every song could have picked every song on this Um, I mean Blink is one of those bands where you could pick every song you know because I had a similar thing with California it's like man I just I like this you know yeah I'll I'll wait for that but yeah um, yeah I mean the obvious you know addition of Travis on this album you know brought a huge new dynamic to the band you know that would forever kind of shift their style and sound and popularity and there's not a whole lot of drummers that can do that so sure yeah that was always something that was uh, really intriguing yeah um, having said that, let's move uh, let's move on to California. There's a cynical feeling saying I should give up. You said everything you'll ever say. There's a moment of panic when I hear the phone ring. Anxiety's calling in my head. Is it back again? Are you back again? Yeah, this was your pick. Your well, not we picked this album together. But you picked the song, so why don't you lead with uh, your thoughts on California? Yeah, so this was an album that when it was announced, so that was along with uh, Matt Skiba joining. You know, there was a lot of a lot of stuff happening kind of the year or so prior to this, and and by this point, I had kind of I wouldn't say dropped off as a Blink fan because I'll, I'll always be one, but the albums preceding this, um, you know, hadn't got me overly excited and so I was definitely interested knowing Skiba was coming back in and um, you know but also a little hesitant just wondering what kind of direction they would go and so the first song they released was Bored to Death yeah. and that song didn't really get me that excited so I was a little bit disappointed um, but then they released the song I think the next one they released was No Future and that made me really look forward um, to hearing more um, yeah I love this album overall um, for me, it's exactly what I wanted to hear from them. I know it came with a lot of controversy surrounding them, you know, maybe trying to sound like old Blink or, you know, I saw lots of comments about, you know, lazy writing or it was just John Feldman writing or whatever. <laughs> um, but for me, it's got lots of variety on it, on it to make it, you know, a dynamic and interesting listen for me. It has classic sounding Blink songs, you know, it's got the short goofy songs, um, but also enough serious songs with a different type of sound. 
Um, you know, like for me, that doesn't lose me as a listener. It keeps me engaged. It sounds like them enough. Um, but, you know, you've got the, the different elements that Matt Skiba brought. Um, yeah, so I, to me, this is one of my favorite albums by them. And uh, another, uh, so three years ago or so, me and my wife were in California for our 10-year anniversary. And we listened to this song a ton. It was one of the few I had on my phone um, to listen to in our rental car. And so it just always stands out to me. Yeah. I think I accidentally told this story on the Goldfinger episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> you did, you did. But so this is this is the time I meant to say. Yeah, it. yeah. So, but yeah, it was just it was really cool. I mean, I, I wasn't driving around Los Angeles. Uh, I was a bit more north, but right. It was still, you know, just driving through or on the high. Or I don't know if it's the highway, or the road. You know, it's just like fields and fields of fruit and. And you get into the cities, there's palm trees, and I don't know, it was just something really cool about listening to this album in California. Sure, that's fair. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned some things off the top that I kind of thought were interesting too, because, I mean, there was obviously, Blink-182 was so like on again, off again sort of thing for a little while, right? And then it was like officially off again, uh, and then they started right, talking about, yeah. yeah, then they talked about, oh, Matt's going to come in, and he's going to be a member of the band. And initially... I was I was quite excited because a I'm a fan of Alkaline Trio, and b um, watching those early videos of those first few shows, I was like, "There's the energy that just seemed to disappear, right? Uh, mm, like yeah. it just felt like in those you know neighborhoods and on sort of thing that Tom had just kind of like checked out. And maybe that's true. We don't need to go into that. There's internet you know forums that could go for days about that, but. When Matt first joined the band, I was like, okay, this is exciting. And then they announced uh, after, you know, a string of shows or whatever that, yeah, they were working on this album. And I was like, okay, cool. I didn't I didn't expect there to be new music. I just figured it was, yeah. okay, we're at this point. We're going to use this lineup to tour and, you know, play festivals and whatever sort of thing, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, then they, they announced, like, no, we're, we're doing music. Because in my mind, too, I was like, well, and, and he still is. Like, Matt is still doing Alkaline Trio. They just released a three-song EP, what, like a month or so ago. Um, yeah. So it's still very much a thing, but he's obviously quite busy with Blink as well. And so when this record first came out, when they first released Bored to Death, um, I actually liked it. I was like, oh, yeah, it is. Because I was in the place where, you know, with Neighborhoods, I was like, ah, it's not like old Blink. And I've actually come to the place in the fa- past few years, or the past even maybe two years, that... Um, Neighborhoods is an underrated album. I actually really like it. Uh, it is definitely like a you know a, a mix, leaning more towards like an Angels and Airwaves album than necessarily a Blink yeah. album. But I also really like Angels and Airwaves, so I'm kind of like, hey, you know, it's got it's the best of both worlds. Uh, it's not my favorite Blink album by any means, but like Neighborhoods that is. But I, I've I've come to enjoy it, and so to hear them go back to that kind of more original sound initially, I was like all right, cool, I'm in. And this record, once it came out, having listened to it, I actually think the second single was Rabbit Hole, Not No Future. Really? Yeah, that was the second one I heard anyway. Like, And huh. I heard it like on the radio, which that was the other thing. I was like, wait a minute, like the, the radio here was playing Blink all of a sudden again. I'm like, this is blowing my mind a little bit, right? Um, That's the one song on the album with, with swearing in it. Yeah, so I know. <laughs> if that was, yeah. Hmm. And uh, but yeah, which is also kind of funny about this album compared to older Blink albums is they they dialed that back quite a bit, and it's not like Matt Skiba's coming into the band being like, guys, swearing's not cool, right? So I mean, they yeah. just all have kids now, I guess. 
Uh, so they want to. Well, Matt Skiba doesn't, but uh, but Mark does and Travis does. They're like, let's let's just be a little more selective, maybe. I don't know. Um, but this album, I think, almost feels like the missing link between "Take Off Your Pants and Jacket" and "Untitled." Uh, right. Because there are songs on here that sound like they could go on "Take Off Your Pants and Jacket," and there are songs on here that sound like they could go on "Untitled." And there are some songs that kind of like cross, like bridge that a little bit. Um, yeah. As a whole, I think this record is a lot more formulaic than they were in the past. Like I noticed when you were asking about songs, like you're like, oh, I can't pick between this one and this one. And I was like, well, go with this one because it sounds, it's the only one that sounds different from the other ones. Cause there are a lot of songs on this record that I think kind of do like this mid tempo thing. And then like big exploding choruses and I'm just yeah, like, hey. which I like from them. Yeah, so. well, and, and that's fine too. But I'm like, you, you definitely don't have like, you know, we talked about, you know, even on Enema of the State, you know, like the whole changing of riffs through here and like fast here doing that, like just like kind of being a little bit all over the place, but also completely constructed. This record feels a lot more, you know, like as that, you know, okay, we're going to hook them with the chorus every single time. That's what, that's the only reason the song exists for the most part, right? But let's get into the songs um, that you picked. The first one being Los Angeles. So Los Angeles, um, so just a bit about this song. It places the juxtaposition of the two images of the city of Los Angeles, one of fame, fortune, beautiful beaches, and one of dark, dirty, and dangerous places. This song slightly departures from the iconic blink sound and incorporates a grimmer melody. I really liked uh, I really liked that because, yeah, when you think about a city like Los Angeles, right, it's all glitz and glamour but then you also have places like skid row you know and huge homeless population and so just uh i think it was matt skiba was saying he he would go to this gun range or something and he had to drive through skid row to get there and it was always this kind of interesting thing for him you know kind of coming from probably the more glamour side of of los angeles and then driving through this area to go wherever he was going and and uh so I, i thought that was a cool cool element um, so this was the first song on the album that has a bit of a departure from um, what I think people would think of when they think of Blink um, but in a good way to me it still sounds like Blink but it has this real kind of a grit and grime to it like you said and uh, yeah when it first starts uh, you know I was a little bit apprehensive about it but I mean the chorus I mean, the chorus does help and then it's got a really great bridge that I think really pulls the song together um, and I mean, there's lots of, I mean, Blink's got lots of good bridges and there's lots on this album. Um, but yeah, this was the first song 
that by the end of it, it was like, hey, I want to listen to that again because it kind of took me a while, yeah. but by the end it had hooked me and yeah, and yeah, I, I like I like this is the kind of blink that, um, you know, I guess I, I won't say many thoughts on the untitled record because we'll get to that, but um, you know, kind of when they started to get a bit more experimental, kind of lost me a bit, um, and so a song like this. I, I was a little unsure if that would be a similar feeling, but mm-hmm. thankfully it uh, it wasn't. Well, I, I think on this song, the uh, I, I'm oh I, like I'm still kind of unsure what I think of specifically like the drums in the verses. Like they kind of take out like the sound of. The, I mean, if I'm recalling, I'm trying to think if they're actually like sampled like. Uh, electric I, kit I sort of sound. He played it. It's like a marching drum. Oh or yeah, something. he. I think he hundred. Yeah, you one hundred percent played it. But I'm just trying to figure out like if it's an actual drum versus being like a pad sort of thing that he's playing. Uh, but regardless, I've always been like the sound of it. I'm, I've I've always been kind of a little like ah, yeah. I guess it's 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 just so different, right? But like this song, you talk about like kind of like that dark and and light. So it, it feels very um, like it's it's taking place at the end of the world. And I think when you reference the bridge, um, when Mark is singing, meet me when the war is over, meet me where the skyline yeah. ends. I'm like, it just sounds to me like it's very much just like Los Angeles is burning sort of thing and everything's coming to a finish, right? Like the, the world is ending type thing. And uh, it's got, it, it's kind of, it's kind of neat. I like it. Um, and it does, it is one of the ones that actually reminds me of the untitled album. Uh, in the, I, I don't know specifically. I think maybe because there's like that one, maybe like the interlude. I can't remember the name of it on on the Untitled album. Uh, that's like kind of like this hip hop beat sort of thing, and just like very different from you know kind of yeah. the more straight up pop punk stuff. And so I don't know. I, it is a it's it's kind of a, like a colorful song. And every time I hear this song and they mention Mulholland Drive, I can just all I can think of is the movie Mulholland Drive. And how oh, how messed up that movie was. That was a movie where I watched it, and I immediately spent just as long, if not longer, than the time it took to watch the movie, researching the movie, what everything was supposed to mean. Because I was like, Ooh. I finished watching it, and I'm like, excuse me, I don't know what just happened. I don't know what I just watched. And <laughs> so I'm like, it's a it's a crazy movie. But um, Los Angeles is, I think it's a great song, uh, and it, it was definitely one of the early ones actually that stood out to me. But it kind of plays into that whole, you know, kind of like mid-tempo, big chorus sort of right. formula that they get that they've got going on here. I will say this: it doesn't that doesn't take away from the album for me. But when I when looking at songs on their own specifically, like the album as a whole, it doesn't take anything away. But when I start looking at the song specifically, I'm like, okay, it's like just the same structure again, right? But as yeah. you, as you listen yeah, to fair. it all, whatever, however, 13, 14 songs or whatever it is, um, you know, it, it also creates this cohesion across the album, right? So, um, yeah. But let's, unless you had, did you have anything else to say about? about yeah, no, that's. So then let's that's get it. into the next one, a song that you mentioned just a few minutes ago, uh, and that would be No Future. said tonight's a waste of time the next day the sun will always rise every day that you waste every promise you break slips beneath the floor 
It's a permanent state from a moment's mistake But life's worth so much more You don't know a thing about it I was lost to dawn from dusk and they don't care Yeah, so I've got uh, a little bit of, of backstory on this here. I swear, if you're Honestly, quoting from the same uh, the same thing I'm going to quote from, we're going to have a, <laughs> we're going to have a problem here. No, go ahead. Let's do it at the same time. All right, and a one, uh-huh. and a two. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, this is just information I found online, um, but I, I like that it, it kind of gives some some more story to this, and um, so it was. This song was originally actually going to be cut from the album. Um, so when they were talking or when they were in the studio about this album, they were originally thinking of, of doing maybe a shorter album and then an EP. Um, but I think it was Travis who, who said they still wanted to do a full length. And, and so this one um, got added to it. Um, yeah, the song is really catchy. It has a really cool bridge again that adds a lot to the song. Changes the tempo and the feel um, before going back to the chorus, as you mentioned, you know, is a big part of this album. And so I think that's why this song... Um, you know, hooked me after hearing Bored to Death because it's just got that super catchy yeah. um, chorus to it. Um, they were originally, or maybe not originally, but they had been talking about actually calling the album No Future yeah. um, for a while, but they debated that thinking, okay, you know, we've just come back as a band, you know, should we now have an album called No Future? Maybe yeah. that's a little too confusing for listeners. I, I believe the phrase used was shooting themselves in the foot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that's I mean, yeah. I, I love hearing little tidbits like that. Cause yeah. It's like, oh, I never would have guessed just this, you know, yeah. middle of the middle of the album song that would be originally called that. So which is which is funny because the title track is like what the second last song on the album. <laughs> it's like it's right. it's deep in the album. <laughs> right. However, they have Los Angeles and San Diego, so yeah. it kind of ties it together. So I mean, it would have been weird to have three songs about California, I guess, just for the fun of it, and not call it that. But right. Um, yeah, and they, um, yeah, and they, some more of the song was for the lyrics. Um, you know, they were talking about punk rock history, and uh, Matt was saying for him it started with the Sex Pistols, "God Save the Queen." It has a no future lyric in it, the idea of a nihilistic society and punk rock coming along and saying, "We don't believe in the government, we don't believe in society, we believe in free will and doing what we want." The concept of early punk came through in this song. I think that's kind of cool, just taking, you know, again, I wouldn't have known this just from listening to this song, kind of, you know, different influences that, that they took uh, for writing this song. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you damn well stole my thunder. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, because, well, that's that's the interesting thing is um, from the first time I've heard this song, I mean, obviously it's in the title, uh, all I can think of is Sex Pistols. And it's funny because he says there's a no future lyric. Uh, but I mean, the song's called no future by the sex pistols. Like that's, that's the name of the uh-huh. song. Wow. Um, unless he was specifically mentioning being inspired by a specific lyric in that song. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's intriguing because, um, when I came, I was actually looking up information on a different song when I came across what I think what you're referencing is like a track by track analysis by John Feldman. 
Is that what you're? Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah, it was some kind of notes. Like yeah, that. there was. Or I don't think it was by him. Like there was parts of it. Like well, um, so the, but there were the one I from Mark and Matt. Yeah, the one I saw um, was yeah. It, it was specifically like there was. It was all John Feldman saying it, but all of those oh, things. Okay, he maybe, was just yeah. saying like what Matt said, and, and like you mentioned with Los oh, Angeles, see, yeah, like. Yeah. Uh, Travis initially like step. I think it was Los Angeles that was going to be originally be cut, or was it? No, it was this one that was originally going to be cut, right? Yeah, yeah, this yeah. One. And saying like, no, it needs to be on the album. And he was talking about how coming off of like a Five Seconds of Summer record where they had a bunch of songs right. when they're like a band like made for singles and whatnot, and, and eight, it wanted to make a, an album for ADD kids. And then Travis being like, no, 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 we need to put all these songs on here. And so this song, yeah. which, which is, I'm glad they did, which is funny, though, because they literally had an entire second album right. with the deluxe edition. Right. So <laughs> um, which is incredible to think like what they did end up cutting. Um, but, yeah, this song initially, those the all that Sex pistol stuff is what comes to mind for me. Um and it's one that feels like it would fit quite comfortably on Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. Like, I, I talk about kind of like that going back and forth between uh, Untitled and Take Off Your Pants and Jacket and just how this feels like that missing link between those two albums because that was a drastic change, right? And we'll talk yeah. about that more when we get into Untitled in a few weeks, but um, that was a drastic change. This literally feels like you could have slotted it in there and then Untitled would have made more sense <laughs> than, right. than maybe it did. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it's it is one thing I noticed. I thought it was kind of weird how Mark breaks up the word hours into oh, I, that, yeah into. I didn't know that until I read the lyrics this time. I just I can't remember what I thought he said. But yeah, but he breaks it up like, into oh, like so two syllables, but it's in like an awkward place, and it sounds like he's out of breath saying the line, <laughs> like the yeah. way he brought. I'm like, whoa, that's because I didn't notice it either until I saw the lyrics. I was, I was like, what? Oh, that's weird what he's done there, but. I mean, it is what it is. Um, the bridge where Matt sings, because uh, he he kind of does the bridge on this song. Super alkaline trio to me. Like that was yeah, that I was love that. oh so do I. That was one of the few spots on this record where I felt like Matt really shone. I think yeah. Matt shines a lot more on Nine, even though I mean Nine sounds a fair bit different from this record, right? Like, but I feel yeah. like Matt Skiba really comes into his own and like submit. Because I mean, it's it, I think it's safe to say that when he first joined the band, he was trying to fill Tom's shoes, right? Like that was his right. initial role in the band was, oh, Tom's no longer here. We need someone to play guitar and we need someone to be that second vocal. And so he was doing that. And then I think that kind of really fell into a lot of the writing still sort of playing that role more so than on nine where I felt like, well, no, Tom or Matt is, you know, he is, he is in Blink-182, right? Like yeah. if Tom were to ever come back to Blink-182 at this point, it's now a four-piece type thing, right? Um, yeah. So, and I also there's a lot of nas in this song. Nah, 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 which got a lot of complaints from listeners. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, I I love that. That's that's what makes me think of Blink when I hear that. So I got no I got no issues with that. It's funny because like, is that? I mean, I know I hear people say that, and I, I I'd have to go back and pay more attention. Like, obviously. That is the chorus, basically, of all the small things, right? It's just Tom saying, nah. <laughs> and so, right. um, but, but I'm just... I don't know where that comes from. Yeah, well, that's what I'm like, thing, but. was that something they actually did a ton? Or is it because that song got so huge and, you know, that plays a big part in it that everyone's like, oh, it's that Blink-182 thing? Because I feel like this record, there's more nahs and whatnot on it than any other Blink record. And that, again, that was a criticism that people gave it. Um, yeah. 
But and and it, yeah, who knows where that came from? Yeah. No. So let's get into uh, your third teenage satellites. Yeah, your third and final song, teenage satellites. I can almost see a house from here, but the signal seems to disappear. So what's the problem? Houston's calling. Then you hit me like a Friday night. pick a third one i mean part of me kind of wanted to go towards you know maybe some of the more kind of poppy um ones like uh sober and uh she's out of her mind or whatever that one is and, right um but yeah this is this is one that i remember when i first started listening to it similar to los angeles um just kind of as it was as it was playing in my in my mind I was just thinking like okay where's this song going am i gonna like this and it was just one that really grew, really grew on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a pop punk anthem about running away and never looking back. Teenage Satellites narrates how a teenager tells another to forget his problems and invites him to break free, to appreciate life while they're still young. And uh, I think that yeah, really encompasses a lot of what I mean, what pop punk is. And and uh, yeah, so I mean that part definitely resonated with me. Um, so this was actually one of the last songs that they wrote for the record. Um, and I, I love the story of this song. Mark was just, he was sitting in the studio with Matt's guitar and just playing that, that opening octave on the guitar. And John Feldman comes in and was like, hey, what is that? That sounds cool. Keep playing that. And just hits record and it's like, all right, let's write a song. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that's pretty classic for John. You know, just like, oh, yeah, it's cool. Let's just do this right now. And that's always so intriguing to me, like, how... I guess how gifted or talented songwriters can be where it's right. like, okay, well, let's just kind of go with this and yeah. and see where it goes. And I mean, I've been in that process before being in a band. I don't really remember songs coming together necessarily that easily. I mean, we were never just sitting in the studio writing or anything, but um, yeah, it's just cool. Brings a cool dynamic to the song. Just thinking like, man, I just kind of started from nothing and and here we go. Here's here's a great song on the album. I mean, I think that's kind of part of the difference between being you know a band that's trying to make it and a band that has made it and just does whatever they want it. Because like to just have that luxury right. of just to be like hanging out in a studio, you know, just fiddling around and being like, oh, that's actually kind of cool, right? Whereas I'm sure when Means would have gone into the studio, you had your songs already constructed, written, you did your right. pre-pro and stuff like that. And it was like, okay, now it's time to go. And let's, you know, we've only got X amount of time in this studio. Let's get it done, right? Um but yeah, that, that is kind of cool. And it's interesting because one of the notes I had on this, I didn't realize that uh, Mark wrote that riff uh, because one of the notes I had was like, oh, that like that riff reminds me of Untitled again, right? And and the riffs for Blink in that Untitled, you know, on that record and, and whatnot were definitely different from the riffs that were happening prior to that, right? And so yeah. I thought, well, Matt is really good at rec- recreating those kind of riffs, 
but like you don't really get a lot of like that early catchy fun blink 182 riff vibe on this record at all but it's so it's intri- it's interesting to me that mark actually wrote that riff um and you know just the octave thing it's it was a sound that was on untitled as well right like just doing a lot more octave yeah. sort of stuff but um yeah this song it's always it's always stood out to me I think just because of the title and like the idea teenage satellites, I'm like, that's kind of interesting. Um, yeah. But I mean, it was, it was also one of the songs where, you know, as you, as you kind of mentioned, where it's similar to others in a sense where, yeah, it, it, it's one that fits kind of into that formula as well. But this album, I don't know. It, it, it does a lot of really good things and it's, I listened to this album a ton when it came out because this is the only time I've actually ever seen Blink was on the tour. It wasn't even the actual tour for this album. Uh, they did like this kind of like test run of dates. And oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so they came up here and like the used opened for them and it was just the used in Blink-182. And it was like mm. pretty great. But like the stage show yeah, for awesome. the stage show for Blink didn't have anything that they had on the actual California tour. Uh, okay. It was like they had some confetti and like just pl- uh, regular lights and whatever, but there was nothing big or crazy or anything like that. Um, but uh, and they only actually played when they came on that tour, uh, bored to death, and they may have played Rabbit Hole. I think they just played bored to death and then like Brohemian Rhapsody and built this pool. Oh, and I was right. I remember hearing about that. I was yeah. so annoyed. I mean, I was I was happy, but also so annoyed because I was like, I spent so much time listening to this record in preparation yeah. to be like, oh, I got to learn some of these songs. And I was like, you literally played the first radio single and then like two of the short songs. And I'm like, eh. yeah. But um, it is funny uh, because built this pool. I read a thing. And I think it was on the same the same site that you were reading some of these things, but they were talking about how. Um, they had Travis thinking that built this pool like it was like this full song and then so yeah. <laughs> at, at the end of it he's like what that's it or whatever right like because it just stops um, and so I just thought that was amazing to think like oh he could just hop in there and like just here's the BPM sort of thing just do whatever you want let's see what happens and then they get this I mean it's just a short little thing but the fact that they did that a couple of times on the record because Cynical they did sort of the same thing right where he's got this intro and he messes it up he's like ah and then it just like goes again and he just keeps going I love that yeah just like messing with Travis it's a good time Um, yeah I did like that with this album they brought back because they kind of lost that with Neighborhoods and Dog Eating Dogs and yeah. I don't know if there was anything else in there, but I, just, I like that they brought back elements that made it feel like Blink again instead of kind of, you know, this, you know, new kind of serious band or whatever. Yeah. And Again, like, and, I think uh, I didn't really think of it being like this, like, lost, like, missing link sort of thing until this week when I was listening to it. Because in my mind, this album was always just, oh, Blink trying to be you know, blink of the early 2000s, right? And the conspiracy was always, oh, Mark didn't want to go down the path that Tom wanted to go down sort of thing, right? But when you listen to this record, I'm like, no, there's there are elements of that in there too. The funny yeah. thing is, is like outside of Happy Holidays on Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, I don't think they actually had any joke songs proper, like just those short little joke songs on right. any of their records they did on the live album mm. there were a couple of things and early on obviously they had full-on joke songs but like just like those short little like you know the the whole thing is like this joke is just setting up a punchline right like 
Yeah. Um, but but it, it did. It definitely felt like oh, Blink One Eighty Two being goofy again because they got super serious, or at least they attempted to get super serious. Tom had his hair in his face and stuff like oh. that, you know, in those days and whatnot. But um, <laughs> but <laughs> and I love the short songs in this album. They just made me want more. Like they're yeah. not just kind of like filler ones. It's like oh man, like that's super catchy. I know. Yeah. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, like it's got that like really cool guitar line on it, and it's like, man, I just want more of that. Yeah, and well, it's done. and that's the thing is like that's you know like the the one maybe maybe there's one or two spots on the album where um, there's actually kind of like a Tom DeLonge esque riff in it, right? Like where I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, and then yeah, it's just a song that ends, and that is the one thing I absolutely I wouldn't say I hate, but I don't like about this album is that I do want more of those like fast pop punk songs you know on there and they're just not for the most part right and then when they tease yeah. then like they tease you it's like oh oh and the song's over and it was just a joke song right, right? Um, well, you, well even when it's not a joke like the opening track cynical yeah it, it's a short song it's like a minute and a half or something and it's, and it's like man come on just uh, exactly it's like one give of the me a few more verses of that it's one of the best songs on the album right and like that was one of the first things they leaked um on like there was it was like uh matt singing that line the what's the point of oh yeah i remember that sorry yeah. now and it was like leaked on instagram or what have you and people are like what is this the only complaint i have about that is his voice sounds so loud in the mix compared to mark's it's weird like when it comes uh. in i'm just like whoa um but yeah like that song is easily one of my favorite songs on the record yeah and then there's just a bunch that sort of fall into the same sort of um, neighbor, neighborhood uh, <laughs> as each other but um, unless you had more notes on Teenage Satellites I do have a couple of other notables on this record too yeah take it away uh, so Kings of the Weekend I'm a sucker for oh, songs that are man, I love that song that are so clearly much. about just like listening to music and loving music and so yeah um, I know that was a hard one not to pick yeah and I think Matt also sounds great on this song again the, those are kind of the standout points on this record is when Matt really stands out you're like okay like because otherwise, yeah, it just feels like Mark doing his thing, and then but you know Matt bringing something different to the table is always nice. Um, home is such a lonely place. I've always kind of liked. It gets a yeah. little um, "I miss you" esque with what right. Travis is doing on the drums, but it's also at the same point like it's not like super goth emo sort of thing, right? Like, yeah, it's more light and, and and bright feeling. But Travis is doing like kind of a snare roll thing that's very reminiscent of "I miss you," and then uh, San Diego. Uh, yeah. I, my yeah. thing here is, is it about Tom? Only Mark really knows. But on that page, John Feldman very blatantly says that, yeah, it's a, it's about Tom. But that's not yeah, Mark saying it. That. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know if I've ever seen anywhere Mark says, yes, this song is about Tom DeLong, right? Like, um, I think that's the interpretation that's been taken from it. And uh, it's always been a good song. When the chorus comes in, it just really hits. And of course, like we mentioned, Cynical. And, you know, there's, there's, there are a bunch of really good songs on this album. I don't think there's a song on this album that I skip. Um, whereas on Anima of the State, there are songs I debate skipping. But again, I only debate skipping because I've heard them a thousand times, right? Like, right. Whereas this record, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's fine. Um, the downside, I think, and I don't know if you've noticed this, is that when I see live footage now of the band, Matt's yeah, it's not as good as Matt's, I would like. Like Matt's gotten to this place where it just seems like he's stopped trying. Like, what is going on? Like you I had, know, it's very bizarre. Yeah, you had like the early days where it was like, yeah, everyone was just like full of energy and, and like into it, and then all of a sudden, like Tom just starts doing like the lazy singing and just like kind of standing there and whatever. 
and now you know Matt joins the band. He's got all this energy. He's bringing this energy, and now he's just kind of standing there, and, blah, blah, and I'm like, and not, maybe it's just old age. Maybe I don't know what it is, but it, it's kind of frustrating because I feel like that sort of like the excitement that came when they first brought him into the band of like, oh look at this energy that's back, and obviously I think they were re-energized as a band, and so that definitely played a part. Whereas now it's like, okay back into the groove of things and like mark's never been a great singer live um but he's definitely been better in the past than he is now and it, matt just feels like he's kind of gone down that road too or is like when he first came on he was on he was on point and now he's just kind of like eh, all right <laughs> yeah I've, I've i've unfortunately never seen this band live yet right um but i don't think i've ever seen any live footage maybe ever of them where i really thought it sounded great and I mean, a lot of that comes with a three-piece, you know. Right. There's bands like Green Day that have, you know, three, four, you know, auxiliary players really filling yeah. out the sound, and and so I, you know, props to Blink for kind of keeping it, you know, keeping it to uh, the basics or whatever. But yeah, you think for I don't know something like it just always kind of sounds kind of empty and yeah, and I don't know. It's I mean the drums obviously add a ton to it, yeah. but. I feel like there's just not the like power that I want. See, and back in know. the day, like when they were touring Anima of the State and uh, like that, like the early 2000s, I never really thought that they sounded empty because I figured they, they actually did a really good job of, because I don't think on the records they ever like overproduced that, right? Like really right. filled that in to be like, no, yeah, like we got to fill the gaps because I think Tom wrote such great riffs and guitar parts and whatnot that you didn't really... You know, need he he knew when to do specific things, right? And um, it's more now. Like, I mean, maybe it sounds a little empty now. I've never been a fan of. I shouldn't say never, but like in, in his days in Blink, I haven't been a fan of Matt Skiba's guitar tones. I'm just like, ah. And we've talked about guitar tones on episodes in the yeah. past. Where I'm kind of like, eh. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. For me, it all just boils down to like vocally, and then because like the way the band sounds sometimes, like watching live videos, I'm like, well what's the mix like right like how well is this mixed for video because that can play a big part too right like versus yeah, like actually sure. seeing them live but the way they sing you can you can definitely tell whether or not they're fully on game right but yeah um, anyway this 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 record's fine too i have no problem putting this one on and listening to it it'll never come close to topping any of my top blink albums um for me, I think, I don't know if I could, we'll we have to save the rankings, I think, until after our next episode of Blink-182 stuff, but, um, but yeah, like, the, I mean, this one wouldn't be up there for me. It's fine, though. It's, it's very, listen. it, it definitely reminds me of Summer, which is what Blink-182 is supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm excited to, uh, listen to it again more as it starts getting nice out. So. Yeah, right? Right? So, um, I guess... If you're if you're stuck on a desert uh, desert island or you're stuck in quarantine as is the case these days, which one you take in California or Enema the State? I think I'm gonna go California. I don't know if, if that's partly because I haven't heard it as much. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I haven't had 20 years to listen to it. Um, yeah, I don't know. To me, to me, I, it just has kind of everything I like about Blink on it. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I kind of gave my answer away. Um, Enema the State for me. Uh, I mean, California doesn't have a dump weed. <laughs> like just yeah, from the get go, I'm like, oh, like that's the one. That, like cynical is good, but like it doesn't like the way that dump weed starts that album. Um, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, it's it's real good. Anyway, 
that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, next week, um, we've got a, a special one. See, I want to try and because we're about to be in blink season for quite some time. Because uh, if you didn't gather, uh, our next episode that we're going to get back together is going to be Dude Ranch and Untitled. We're going to talk about those two records from Blink. Uh, but that won't be for a couple weeks because next week uh, we got a, we're going back to that same time, that same a band that brings me back to uh, high school as well. But you had the chance to chat with Theo from Gob. And uh, I, wonder how, I wonder how big they ever got in the States, like how well people in the States know who Gob is. Because Gob in Canada was... You'll have to listen to the interview we talked about. Oh, there you go. Because Gob in Canada was like, it was synonymous with, you know, if you listen to punk in Canada, you knew who oh, Gob yeah. was, right? Yeah, um, definitely one of the biggest punk bands in Canada for yeah. the genre. Yeah, and I mean, one of the best characters on Arrested Development years later. <laughs> oh wait, but he went by Job, didn't he? George Oscar. I know that Blue. always. Every time I saw that, I was like, "What is that guy's name? God?" George Oscar yeah. Bluth. Um, yeah, I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> but yeah, so you had, and that's actually a two-part interview. So it'll come out uh, on Monday, and then part two. The plan right now is for Thursday, and then we'll be back with Blink, and we're just gonna kind of go back and forth because we're gonna get into. Um, so what do we got? We got Dude Ranch, and we've got. Untitled up next for for Blink season. Then we're also going to do Boxcar Racer and Plus 44. And then I think the plan is also to do an Angels and Airwaves episode. And the plan is to also do an Alkaline Trio episode because now that's a part of the family tree as well. Yeah, we're going to get it all in. We're going to get it all in, but it'll all be kind of split up some of it anyway. So One eight-hour episode. <laughs> there you go. But <laughs> that'll do it for this one. Uh, make sure you go follow us, as I mentioned earlier, on our social media accounts, Instagram and Twitter. Those are the main ones, at Growing Punk Pod. We are on Facebook. But uh, at this point, my the Facebook posts are just basically from my Instagram feed. So I'm always waiting on there to chat. Come on, yeah, people. yeah. There you go. Get a, get a hold of Aaron. <laughs> um, you can uh, find us wherever you're listening to podcasts. Uh, make sure you rate, review, uh, subscribe, that kind of stuff. Please tell your friends uh, if you enjoy what we do. It's the it's the simplest way you can help us out. You can be like, hey, yeah. friend who's a fan of this band or one of our past episodes, you should check this out. Uh, and um, yeah. Please help help us out. Help us out, brother. Help a brother. Tell your out. dad you don't respect him until he listens. That's right. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, but yeah, that'll do it for this one. So bye bye. and do you right here because I don't know I don't know you imagine that we shared some intimate moment that you have probably been drooling over for the past four years god you know how sick and deluded are you you know what why don't you just go off and get yourself a goddamn life asshole <laughs>